What do South Park, Bitcoin, and vegetables have in common? Well, they all play a role in this episode. <laughs> Go figure. In fact, if you're a fan of Bitcoin, Adult Swim, or broccoli, you'll find something for everyone today. We're inclusive that way. We're pleased to welcome Rob Allen, a.k.a. Broccoli Rob, to the show to discuss his new animated feature, Bitcoin and Friends. And then Algorand will be in the spotlight to discuss building a better blockchain. It's all fun and games until Letitia Lettuce shows up. So remember to eat your veggies and clean your plate as we fire up episode number 292 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and the crypto vegetableless. I'm Travis Wright, and this is another episode of Bad Crypto. And I'm Letitia Lettuce. <laughs> oh, she's here. Oh, no, she's here did. early. Oh, no, you did. You talk about lettuce like that. You know, just because we have a guy on the show who's nicknamed Broccoli Rob, it just opened up this whole can of vegetables, basically. That's true. We apologize in advance, but it's somewhat humorous. I mean, the show, if you like humor and you like crypto, which we assume you do because you're tuning into this show, you're going to love BTC and Friends, this this new Bitcoin and Friends uh, cartoon that, that we're going to be talking about in this episode. So stay tuned. Mm-hmm. And I want to give a quick recognition to our show sponsor, our new sponsor, eToro. This is a killer crypto app, gang. If you haven't downloaded it, you're going to want to. Travis and I are both using it now, and we're going to be announcing a friendly competition that he and I are going to have investing the same amount of money in portfolios. And we're going to share with you what those portfolios are and, and bottom line is i'm gonna win well yeah i'm still waiting on my account to be approved what's that, what's that account gets there? you got a head start on me you got to jump you got a nice little gainer there on bitcoin popping up for you already i'm sure well you you don't know what i invested in i tell you what folks if you are on coinbase or if you are on robin hood you're going to want to at least take a look at eToro. i know that joel and i've had some some challenges with with uh coinbase in the past i mean you know, one thing we like about crypto is it's, de- you know, for the most part, it's decentralized. It's all inclusive. People are, but, you know, Coinbase is shutting down people's accounts, right? They don't like your political stance. They're shutting down accounts. We don't like that. And eToro is available worldwide. So it's not just a U.S. centric company. This is a global company and they've been doing stuff pretty amazing all over. So if you are, you know, anywhere but the U.S., I believe you can buy and trade stocks on the platform as well. As crypto, you just can't do that in the U.S. yet. But there's 14 cryptos available on on the platform in in America. So I would say check it out. Yeah, they're making their move into America, and we are happy to offer Bad Coin socks. These are super badass. Well, they're bad foot, and you can get a pair. Simply go to badco.in forward slash eToro to find out how. Basically, it takes you opening an account, getting approved, depositing $50, and buying crypto with that 50 bucks, sending us the proof. But you'll see it's all right there. We've gone on long enough about it. 
Go check it out. On the beautiful page that I created. You did. Go check out that. Just badco.in forward slash eToro, E-T-O-R-O. I almost said zero. Don't do that. That's not right. eToro. And go check out the amazing webpage that I created. Alrighty, let's learn about vegetables and a Bitcoin in Friends. Well, this is Cauliflower Chuck. This is Asparagus Al. Oh, hey, Al. Uh, we've got another vegetable friend with us today. It's Broccoli Rob. Oh. Hey, Broccoli. <laughs> Hello, vegetable friends. How are you today? <laughs> <laughs> So this is dill pickle Devin. Who doesn't like dill pickle? I'm zucchini head. Oh, and just like that, the alphabet is complete. Very nice. Welcome back. Not technically back, Mr. Broccoli Rob. Yeah, we, we've had a few technical difficulties making the show happen, but third time's a charm. Third time is a charm. With us today, we have Rob Allen, a.k.a. Broccoli Rob. He is the creator of a edgy crypto-related cartoon called Bitcoin and Friends. Maybe you guys have seen it on YouTube. There's a couple full-length episodes out there, and it's informative, it's entertaining, and expletive warning right now. This is not for the kiddies. This is Adult Swim type stuff and it's pretty damn funny rob's a lifelong entrepreneur he's an autodidact i just learned what that is he's worked in fields ranging from music production to finance and is now producing bitcoin and friends which uh the website is btc and friends rob welcome back even though it is the first actual time people are hearing about you on bad crypto yeah great to speak to you guys again this is going to be the best interview of all because the first two times we actually did the interview and the audio went like that. And then we tried to record with you again and it was too noisy. We couldn't do it. And now you're here and it's happening. Here I am. I'm thrilled to be here. Very excited. Okay, so let's let's start with the basics. Where did your involvement with Bitcoin begin? So let's see. I remember going to Porcupine Freedom Festival up in New Hampshire in 2011 and that's the first time that I encountered Bitcoin. That's a libertarian festival that, that's put on every summer. And uh, some friends invited me up. And so I went. And of course, people were using precious metals a lot at that time for, uh, you know, transacting silver and copper and I guess perhaps gold, although it's hard to use gold for, you know, small transactions. But I also noticed some vendors there were selling things for Bitcoin. And sadly, uh, to my forever shame, I did not pay very much attention to that. I wrote it off pretty quickly, basically thought, well, this is silly. How can you have a, a money online? You know, why couldn't they just copy and paste as much currency as they want? Um, so in other words, I, I really didn't look into it. And I didn't realize that the problem of uh, digital scarcity had been solved uh, by Bitcoin. Um, and so then it was, I guess, maybe two years roughly went by uh, before Bitcoin was in the news again in 2013. And I started paying attention at that point. And I thought, well, you know, if this is a, a scam, how is it still around? And so I read the white paper at that point and uh, realized that, that you know, this, this project seems like it actually might work and kept reading. And, and you know, I had a lot of skepticism at first and, uh, you know, but just point by point started moving through that skepticism and realizing, well, wow, this, this actually seems like it, it could really work. 
And uh, at, at that point, I was working uh, as a precious metals broker for Peter Schiff, who is still a uh, very vocal um, critic of Bitcoin. He still hasn't seemed to be able, be able to wrap his head around it. And, you know, I think for people coming from the precious metals uh, sort of uh, perspective, the, the problem that I think Peter has in a lot of people is they still uh, struggle with this idea um, feeling like money needs to have some kind of intrinsic, quote, intrinsic value, or that it needs to be a physical, you know, sort of commodity. And so that was a little bit of a challenge for me at first. Uh, but then, you know, if you've, uh, I'm not sure how much you guys have read of Austrian uh, economists, but, you know, one of the foundational ideas that you run into there, um, actually from Manger, who's kind of like the father of the Austrian school, is the idea that value is subjective. And that it it ultimately is a matter of what humans value things at that that's what their value is period and and so you know as I got thinking more and more about it, I just realized wow you know my my perspective on this was wrong and and this actually seems like it could work and and then you know of course gold was unable to to stay a a money because governments were able to seize it you know it became centralized in vaults because it's difficult to transact with um you know, and so it was easier to just use checks and, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to give somebody a million dollars worth of gold. That's pretty heavy. Right. Right. It's, you can just carry that stuff around. Yeah. Know? It's cumbersome. And so, you know, so gold ended up in vaults and then it was just too attractive for governments to, to resist the temptation to seize that and to start printing money. Um, and, and now we have the, the dollar is worth, you know, uh, maybe, uh, it's well, it's lost 97, 98 something percent of its value in the last hundred years. So it's been a, a pretty big disaster. And, and I, I think in retrospect, you know, as I've had a few years away from the precious metals uh, market, that uh, it's very unlikely that gold will ever be monetized again um, because of the reason, you know, that, that it was demonetized, uh, being that governments have been able to control it and seize it and manipulate it. And now you have, you know, large, uh, bullion banks um, and, and, and other players who can, you know, short the metals and you've got uh, naked shorting and some really crazy practices that are, um, you know, make it easy to manipulate. So yeah, like it's like, I think for every ounce of gold, there's like 525 fake paper ounces of gold or something out there that just people are trading. So it's like the real number of the real value of gold is so deflated due to all of the the paper gold action, right? Right, exactly. And 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 I was seeing that, you know, as I was in that market for about 4 years reading and and learning, I I I you know, kind of finally found that 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 seemed to be the the problem and that the market would probably be forever kind of tampered or tamped down, I should say due to all that paper uh, on top of it. And so, yeah, and so Bitcoin to me really struck me as as solving this problem of, of um, you know, the, the, the negative physicality aspect of, of gold was solved by Bitcoin in the, in the sense that you don't need to trust a vault to hold your metals. You can actually hold the, the Bitcoin yourself. And, um, and so that decentralization of the money um, which is really important in the face of government violence, that that uh, decentralization is extremely important and that Bitcoin delivers that. And so that really captured my imagination. And I, and, and I really, I would say within the course of a few months time, I became um, very committed and, and sort of uh, uh, almost religiously. So as a lot of people will joke right. about Bitcoin. But, Let me uh, ask you this. So how, yeah. how do you go about setting up a cartoon? 
right? Because like now, are are, are you you're not the artist of this, right? So you had the idea to do this and, and set it up, but like, how is this? How did you go about the process of all right? I'm gonna do a cartoon. What what are all the components that I need? And you went and set it all up. Like how how'd that work? Well. So to be clear, um, my role is as producer, and the creator of the show is actually Chris um, Allen, who is my younger brother. Um, he goes by Uncle Chris. He's not. He's not cauliflower, Chris. No, we we didn't stick with vegetables mm. for all of our names, but uh, that's too bad. I think yeah, I, I, I think, think so there's too. an opportunity there. <laughs> well, who knows? We, we've joked about changing the names in, in every Chris, episode because we already have cauliflower, whatever your name, Carl, cauliflower, cauliflower, Charlie. Did you say cabbage, Chris? Chris? Yeah, yeah. Like um, but yeah, so so Chris approached me, I guess maybe about a year and a half, two years ago at this point, with the uh, sort of a initial idea, and um, I think that was that came from the, the germ of it was actually a, we were working on an advertisement that we were going to use for a crypto project. And it was basically like a bunch of actors would have been in, in costumes in these big coin, like, uh, you know, foam costumes. And they were going to be sitting around having a conversation, sort of like an AA meeting and the different coins were going to be discussing their problems. And anyway, we never, we never finished that, uh, that advertisement, but, you know, it was interesting to think about sort of personifying these networks as, as a, you know, as a, a character. And so, and then Chris thought about, you know, doing it in the form of a cartoon, uh, had some ideas about, you know, I remember original conversation, he talked about Bitcoin could vomit up the block reward every 10 minutes, which I thought was a really funny um, and, 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 you know, kind of genius way of, of explaining how the network works in terms of the block reward and, it's hilarious it, it, because, you know, uh, Bitcoin, he did B as they call him because he don't, not, doesn't know who he is or, you know, where he came right. from. And he's just experiencing this thing of, blah, you know, he pukes up the, the reward <laughs> and all these little Bitcoins are running around. This this show is edgy and you're telling the story of Bitcoin history. I mean, you've got Hal Finney in there. You've got a character named Metallic that's inspired by Vitalik. You've got uh, Jones, who is kind of like the regular guy who's learning yeah. about this. So, you know, how did you even get inspired to do this show? Well, well, Chris has been working for basically since he was in high school, he started writing um, screenplays and has wanted to direct and, and, work uh, you know in, in entertainment really since since high school and so he's been working on projects throughout the years he um has done a few independent films and and so that's his background and uh you know of course my background being more in in bitcoin and finance although i did i have done some music production way back um in my younger years so anyway i you know i guess it was just kind of a perfect combination of of chris's skill set uh, in terms of of being a writer and and having uh, you know passion to produce um, you know good entertainment, and then you know me coming into it, of course, being really um, kind of down the rabbit hole with Bitcoin. Although Chris actually got into Bitcoin around 2013 as well, so we've been uh, you know together um, following the markets, investing, um, talking for for years now about uh, about crypto. We actually did some mining together. We we went in on some. Uh, GPU miners back uh, in, I guess it was 2013, 2014. And we were, you know, mining Litecoin and a bunch of other uh, scripts and, and similar, uh, you know, uh, coins. 
So, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the inspiration, well, you know, I, I mean, I guess, again, so the initial, some of these initial ideas that Chris came up with, I, I thought were really great. And then as we started talking, it just became very apparent that, you know, there's already a tremendous sort of treasure trove of interesting uh, developments that have occurred in the the short 10 years now of, of the history of Bitcoin. A lot of interesting twists and turns, you know, the Silk Road, Ross Ulbricht, Charlie Shrem, and, you know, and political intrigue, you know, governments trying to ban Bitcoin and, and failing in that. Um, and the fact that it's a, a global decentralized project and you really do have people all over the world contributing. I mean, all those things are just, I think, so very interesting and, and make for a, you know, already rich um, sort of playground to, to create a good story. You know, then from there, it's just a matter of, of making sure that we create characters that are really memorable and lovable and uh, that, that people are going to want to to watch develop and, and to, you know, to jump into the journey uh, with them. And I, I'm happy to say I think we've done a pretty good job of that, which is, you know, a lot of that is, is to Chris as the main writer of the show. He's, he's really done a good job. Yeah, and and it's just been a real pleasure working on it, and to see the uh, the interest from the community has been has been strong, and and seems to be growing. And so, um, you know, and and it was really an opportunity that seemed to be just waiting for someone to to pounce on it. And so, that's, that's what great. we're doing now. L- let me ask you this then. So, you know, you know, you guys have been doing this show now for a while. You guys have what two episodes complete, right? You guys are working on on the third episode. How what episode is Bad Crypto going to be in? Because that's going to be a hilarious episode. <laughs> um, well, we we haven't written okay. in Bad Crypto what about yet. But it's, Sal, it's is he in there yet? How about how about the Mushroom Mike? <laughs> yeah, we, we we I don't think we'll have any vegetables in the show. That that was just for the credits. not even like R- Ronnie uh, Rutabaga. I mean, he's not going to be in yeah, there. The, 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 the Winklevoss would be hilarious to have in there. They don't need to have their own vegetable name, but they're going to be they're going to be funny. No, they they would they would well, be that, the, that, uh, also... the watercress Winklevoss. Yeah. Well, you know, there was already a show called Veggie Tales for, yeah. for children that that That's really true. kind of delved into a lot of that uh, <laughs> vegetable fun. Uh, this but... has nothing to do with crypto, but you're the one who goes by Broccoli Rob, so I'm just going to say I blame you. Yeah. You asked for it. Yeah. Well, and it's it's. Uh... It's unfortunate. Just I, I couldn't. We, we couldn't come up with a, with a good nickname, and that that one just stuck. So, was it wasn't broccoli, Rob? Though that was from The Office, right? I mean, That's yeah, because office, it yeah. was uh, Andy's acapella group. Here comes treble, and broccoli, Rob was you know the guy who he competed with to be lead singer. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's where it comes from originally. But uh, no, I mean, I I don't know why someone picked that at some chris or one of our friends you know said it as a joke and then i thought it was funny and that was pretty funny so though so, so seriously though but talk a little bit about the you know the ongoing episodes what what you're looking for the kind of the time release so people can know you know what to expect moving forward yeah so we are releasing episode three here pretty soon um we are actually premiering it at uh, BitBlock Boom conference in Texas, which is a Bitcoin and Bitcoin only conference, which I think is fine uh, <laughs> and kind of maybe refreshing even. Uh, so we'll be uh, I'll be attending that conference and we'll be premiering episode three there. And then we'll be releasing it also, of course, on YouTube shortly after um, 
I don't know if we've officially announced. I think it will be the 17th, although there's a possibility we may delay it a few days, um, mostly due to our marketing uh, guy is going to be on vacation. So we've got to work around his schedule a little bit. But anyway, it'll be, you know, coming out here soon, very soon. And uh, I'm waiting for it. We got a cliffhanger there. And I'm like, what happens to, to be? I, I need to know. Yeah. Uh, so here's here's my question. You're raising funds for this. Are you taking donations or are you taking investors? How does that work? Yeah. So we've so far been able to fund the project um, ourselves and, and with the help of sponsors and, and um, people donating. And so episode one was completely self-funded and uh, ran about $45,000. We definitely spent more than we should have but you know when you're getting into uh, a new form of of entertainment for us this is our first time working uh, to to create a cartoon you know there's there's a bit of a learning curve there and, and we probably could have been a little bit uh smarter with how we use the money we've been able to get our budgets down closer to 20,000 per episode and uh, that's what we're going to be hopefully shooting for moving forward and so um you know it's it's been a bit of a challenge of course but thankfully we've had sponsors for episode two and we have uh, a sponsor for, for episode three so we're we're not getting rich yet but we're at least uh we're, we're getting to the point where we're getting close to breaking even on episodes which is exciting and yeah we've had a lot of people donate if you go to btcandfriends.com you'll see there's a whole section um where we have different like reward tiers similar to uh, if you were to use you know kickstarter um or a platform like that indiegogo so similar idea where we're giving people different, um, you know, rewards for their donations. And, uh, of course, we have some merch, although we need to add more to that. But we have a few shirts and things for sale. But, yeah, generally speaking, the, the bulk of the money that we're getting to fund these episodes is coming from our sponsors. And uh, so that's really been exciting to see crypto companies come alongside us and help us make it happen. And, of course, down the road, you know, we would love to eventually maybe see if we could get the show onto a network of sorts like Adult Swim or Netflix or something. But, um, you know, I, th I think right now our plan is to try to finish the first season, have it on YouTube, and then um, see if we can go, you know, with a, with a complete season to some of these networks and show them what we've done, show them the budget we had. You know, compared to some of the bigger cartoons out there, we're working on, you know, really like a micro budget. Some cartoons have anywhere between, you know, half a million and a million per episode, just crazy, huge budgets compared to what we've been working with. So I think, you know, given that uh, fact alone, I think it's pretty impressive what, you know, what we've been able to do. And uh, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we we're doing this really as a labor of love because uh, we love Bitcoin and we want to see um, we want to see this this industry grow and, and to see ultimately bitcoin uh you know take over as the the currency uh, of the globe and so uh that's why we're doing it yeah as of right now in fact so this episode um airs on the 6th of august but we're recording this on the 5th and bitcoin is at about 11,800 so the market seems to be rebounding i'm curious here as we close out what do you think about the altcoins well, we, we definitely are addressing altcoins in the show. And um, I think overall, I, you know, our, our perspective, both Chris and I are pretty close in alignment on this, is that, you know, competition is ultimately healthy in any market. And so it's, it's good that there are competing uh, implementations of the technology. 
I do think that the you know vast majority of these other projects um, will probably amount to nothing. And so, you know, the, the, you need to, if you are investing in this space, I think, you know, it's important to pay attention to the fact that, that there really are uh, network effects that come into play. And so even though Bitcoin may, you know, not be the fastest or the, you know, whatever criteria you have, I'm sure you can find some altcoin that'll claim it's better, you know, but, but all that said, when you factor in the network effect of Bitcoin and the fact that it is, you know, by far the most recognizable uh, crypto currency, it, it's going to take a lot to, to, uh, to dethrone it. And um, I also think that the, yeah, th- there's quite a bit in terms of investment in, um, in terms of mind share and, uh, you know, companies investing in Bitcoin itself. And so, you know, I'm, I'm personally very, very, very bullish on Bitcoin. Um, but I, again, I think, you know, Ethereum is an interesting project. It'll, it'll, you know, be interesting to see if they can figure out a way to scale it. And of course, that's also been a bit of a challenge for Bitcoin. So, you know, it's early days. There's a lot to be seen um, with all these projects. But uh, I think if you're going to invest in crypto, you should definitely have uh, a majority stake in Bitcoin. And I think otherwise is is probably foolish. And in terms of how we're going to handle it in the show, well, you'll see in episode three, we're going to introduce Litecoin. Uh, some people may be offended, uh, but it's all in good fun. Uh, so I won't, I won't spoil it beyond just saying that there may be a little controversy around. Dude, it's already offensive. I mean, you're, you're not pulling any punches in the show. It is definitely South Park meets, you know, Bitcoin. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah, for sure. That's Mm -hmm. what we're trying to do. Excellent. Well, we wish you the best of luck with it. And, you know, in the next episode of veggies on crypto, we'll have the female version of the show with yolanda yam ophelia onion and christina kale so stick around hey rob uh good luck the website again btcandfriends.com where you can look up bitcoin and friends on the youtubes there's also in the show notes links to all of these as well as their twitter and facebook at badco.in forward slash what episode are we even in here 292 That's where you do it. Thanks, Rob. Thank you, gentlemen. I can't wait to see episode number three, Mr. Travis Wright. This is really entertaining and informative stuff. Uh, This is the eggplant Elmer. I don't know whether you're... (laughs) Who is Travis? I don't know. Turnip Travis? Is it? I've not met him. Turnip Travis, yes. No, no, Travis Tomato. I've not not still not met him, but uh, you should check out my glue like my glue yeah that's nice you know, or you check might out want to my check out Nasgo, like to check out our, my eggplant our... <laughs> keep your eggplant egg to yourself i'm very proud of it don't tell I'm me no lie and keep your eggplant to yourself you know i'm a big um chicken parmesan fan and somebody said hey you need to try this eggplant parmesan and i taste it's like this is disgusting why i ew gross no, no. Yeah, that's what John McAfee's going to make. He's going to have eggplant parmesan in the 2020. Okay, I think I was going to talk about our other sponsor, which is Nazgo, the Go Blot, Go Blatty, Go Blatty, Go Blatty, my daddy. Nazgo is the Go Daddy of blockchain. When you think of Go Daddy, you think of a all-in-one service that provides everything you need 
for hosting your website. Well, Nasgo intends to make it super simple to tokenize your business with no coding required. It's a simple, easy solution. Get you into the blockchain frontier. They've got an easy-to-use Nasgo wallet, and this helps you to uh, get your business on blockchain without spending a whole butt-ton of money. We featured them on episode 282, badco.in forward slash 282. Check them out at nasgo.com. All right. Thank you so much, Nasgo. Big fan of you guys. Hey, up next, we're going to have a interview, a spotlight interview with a company called Algorand, and they're doing some really interesting stuff on the blockchain, doing some things with some financial uh, services and being built on top of that. So you, you're going to want to tune into this. Yes, you are. And as always with our spotlight segments, this is a sponsored segment, it means we're being compensated for the segment. And uh, we really like what we heard on these guys. But of course, we're not financial advisors and never buy, sell, or trade any cryptos just based on us having them on the show. Always do your own due diligence and yeah. research. And with that, Stephen with Algorand.com. A borderless economy, boundless opportunity. Sounds like the beginning of a movie trailer, but it's not. It's a new company called Algorand, and they claim to be defining the standard for blockchain technology with a, a pure proof-of-stake protocol. They say it's the first of the kind. We're going to find out more because we have the CEO, Mr. Steve Kokinos, here with us. Steve, welcome to Bad Crypto. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Do you do you like that idea of maybe a movie trailer around Algorand in a <laughs> I world? A pretty, I think it'll be pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. I like the uh, movie phone voice that you have going there, too. Let me, let me finish. I'll read the rest of this just so we can get the full vibe. Our pure proof-of-stake protocol is the first of its kind to support the scale, open participation, and transaction finality for billions of users, all backed by a sustainable business and a renowned team of experts playing soon in a theater near you. Algorand.com is the website. Hey, Steve, tell us what's, uh, what's busted in the blockchain world that we need Algorand to come along and fix it. Yeah, well, I think there's a few kind of just like big problems that, that are out there. And I think if you look at, you know, uh, Bitcoin, we're huge supporters of Bitcoin. It's uh, obviously, uh, you know, it's really created a whole industry and uh, super innovative. But we think that there are other platforms that are needed to sort of reinforce. And uh, I think there's a few different things that are needed if kind of the whole world is going to transact using digital currency. One is uh, transactions have to happen quickly. Uh, the second is you need to know, especially as if you have things that are very valuable, um, whether your payment went through or not, and you need to know kind of uh, for sure. And beyond that, you know, I think if you look at some of the systems that are out there, uh, it's pretty inefficient, and not only in terms of scalability, but in terms of you know the amount of power consumption and, and compute that's needed to run them. And so I think that's there's sort of a so-called blockchain trilemma. Uh, that uh, Vitalik Buterin uh, posed, which is that you can have speed, scalability, and security, uh, but you have to pick two. Uh, and I think we really set out to solve some of the hard computer science problems to, to show that you don't have to compromise in any of those ways. Uh, and, and that's what Algorand represents. The era of a decentralized borderless economy is here. Hey, I don't steal your Christopher Walken impressions. <laughs> Why are you taking my movie phone voice? Sorry, my movie phone voice is a little better. So it's like a little more. <laughs> I mean, you, guys, you guys both have pretty good movie fun voices. I think it's it's, uh, 
It's impressive that that can That's happen true. in one group. Well, well, movie phone is movie phone is more like welcome to movie phone for Algorand. <laughs> <laughs> press one for Algorand Foundation. Press two. Uh, which, which, I know you've got a great question, Mr. Travis. Right, go for it. I do got a great question. So, so the consensus mechanism you guys have. You, you, it's permissionless and pure proof of stake. You want to maybe talk about how it ensures the full participation and protection speed within your decentralized network? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of, of sort of unique things um, about Algorand. Um, so one, if you look at, you know, other types of proof of stake, you know, delegated proof of stake, really, there's sort of a group of block pro- proposers that are, are selected in, you know, some sort of way, either they're voted in or they're sort of decided by, you uh, um, uh, by a certain group of people, um, but the net is, you know, it, it's pretty centralized because of, of those choices that have to be made. Um, you know, Algorand is really the first protocol um, where it is truly public and permissionless proof of stake. Uh, and what's, you know, sort of unique and what Silvio and the team here designed is that uh, every block is proposed by a different user. And it's the users on the network, all of them in total, that participate in consensus and create the blocks and confirm the blocks. And I think the, the real innovation is the use of um, a cryptographic lottery. So everybody who's online uh, basically runs a lottery uh, it, as every block happens. Um, one person at random is selected to be the block proposer, uh, and a group of around 1,000 people are selected to be the block approvers. And uh, they don't know who each other are. Nobody knows who wins. They don't communicate with each other. Uh, it's only known as the block is circulated. Um, and it's circulated with both the proposal and all the votes needed to confirm it. Uh, and that happens as it's it's um, coming around the network. And so the, the, the thing about Algorand is that you, you don't really know who to attack uh, until the block is already over. And then at that point, it's too late because it's another group of random people that are selected um, for the next one. And I think, you know, form, uh, that means that everything can happen very quickly and that really the speed of, of blockchain for Algorand is really limited only by the speed of the, the network. And it's as fast as blocks can be circulated around. In fact, so fast that one day they will replace the term the speed of light with the speed of Algorand. Right? <laughs> so, oh, that's pretty good. I like that. Yeah, you can use that for your marketing right there. So Algorand.com is the website, but there's also the Algorand Foundation, which is at Algorand Foundation. And it's caught my attention because you're doing auctions for for algo that i'm um, alleging that is your token right and so how how does that work talk about the token dynamics and and uh how this all functions together yeah well i think first just you know algorand uh, inc is a u.s company focused on you know blockchain development and releasing open source software um the algorand foundation is uh, based in singapore and uh launched the public network uh and also is is um uh, responsible for the algo as a token uh and you know the the you know one of the things that uh i think the project felt strongly about was that the market kind of set a fair price um for the token and the market really determined that and that it shouldn't really be up to kind of the project or sort of anyone else really to to figure out what should be or, or what value is and the idea was to use a dutch auction which is something that's used um in uh, all sorts of different um auctioning of financial instruments. Most central governments use it for uh, bond auctions and currency auctions and whatnot. And so we thought that that 
it was good for a number of reasons, um, but primarily is that because it's the lowest price auction, it starts at sort of the maximum price and then declines over time, and that every single participant um, that has a bid uh, that that's a winning bid uh, gets the same price, and it's the lowest price that, that clears the round that, that wins. And so, you know, that seems sort of inherently fair to us, and that was the idea behind uh, behind doing that way, which is, you know, let the let people in the market determine the price uh, and, you know, not have uh, kind of predefined ideas uh, that come from the market. Very cool. Tell us a little bit about your team because you, know, you guys are embarking on a really interesting project here. And so, you know, uh, tell us some of the highlights of what makes your team so extraordinary for this type of project. Yeah, well, I think there's, the you know, one, it really starts with the science team here. And I think for anybody who doesn't know uh, know him or hasn't heard of him, um, Sylvia McCauley is is the founder of Valgrand. He is a, a Turing Prize winner uh, and MIT professor. And I think by all accounts, really, is, is sort of one of the founders of modern cryptography. And, and a lot of the sort of cryptographic mechanisms that people use in all sorts, of, you know, throughout the blockchain world and even uh, to secure transactions on the Internet, um, he had hand in creating a specifically um, there's an idea of zero knowledge proofs and verifiable random functions, both of which he was a, a co-inventor of and are used in many different blockchains. Um, so I think really starts with Silvio. Um, but then if you look through kind of the, the entire research and engineering teams, um, I think we have a, an amazing group of people. And I think, you know, on the other side, you know, we have a, a really experienced group of, of business people as well. You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur who's, um, you know, started and helped take several companies, um, you know, public and grown them. And, and uh, I think the same is true of a lot of other folks on the business side. And so I think we really, you know, have, have tried to put a lot of thought not only into the tech, but also thought in terms of kind of how we approach the market, how we encourage new people to come into the crypto and blockchain community. And I think that's something that's really important to us for sure. You know, if, if you look at uh, just take it from a developer standpoint, um, there's about 20 million developers in the world right now. Um, only around 100,000 of them or so are developing for blockchain. So we think that we haven't even hit the start line yet. And uh, there's going to be a big wave of growth that, that needs to get driven. And, and you know, in part, uh, it's going to take uh, new projects and new ideas to, you know, help encourage new people to get into the market. 100,000 developers out there doing blockchain. I think that's I think that's a generous number at this point. That seems high. Well, it's, I think it's higher than it is, but, you know, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, it's, we think it's okay to be generous. The point is there's a lot more that, yeah. that need to get brought in space. So true. At the beginning still. So where are you guys? I know you're not at the beginning. You're definitely down the, the development chain here. So kind of give us an idea of what's been done and what is to come on your timeline. Yeah, so uh, sort of two different things. Um, one, uh, anybody who wants to go to our website, uh, we have a series of, uh, of posts there explaining kind of what our um, roadmap is. Um, but I think one of the, the critical things is that we felt strongly that, you know, you kind of need to get out in the market and have like, an actual running public chain um, for people to be able to engage with you. And separately, we want to just prove that we can deliver. I think that's something that's, you know, hasn't always been the case in, in the space. And uh, so we went live uh, a about six weeks ago, uh, so we've been live. Platform has been running, uh, you know, very well. Uh, you know, and just so everyone, a couple stats. You know, we're observing during the day something around, you know, kind of twelve hundred people running nodes, uh, supporting the network, and uh, we have had no block complete in over four and a half seconds. Um, average block takes about four point three seconds. So the network's running like, very smoothly. It's you know kind of been live for a while. It's been stable and, you know, we're excited that people are starting to really engage with the project and, and build applications on top of it. You know, the next sort of wave for us is really thinking about um, how do we help people with 
uh, asset creation? How do we help people with a variety of things? And so if you look at some of our roadmap items, it's really targeted toward that and towards getting people to come bring their tokens on onto the Algorand blockchain and take advantage of all of the sort of fundamental properties that we have there. And some of that is sort of, uh, I think, traditional tokens. We also think that there's a whole universe of financial instruments and ability to help people create um, decentralized financial products out there. You know, it suggests people check out a re- announcement we put out recently uh, that we have partnered with ISDA, which is the International Swaps and Derivatives Association, uh, with the first crypto project to partner with them. And they have a model that represents sort of all the different financial instruments that are used uh, out in the market today. And, and, you know, we're bringing that into the decentralized world. So really excited uh, to continue sort of driving that forward. But I think it's part core technology that we'll continue to innovate on and uh, make sure that we're um, delivering more performance, delivering it over the long run, making it easier for the platform to use, but then also adding uh, functionality. And, and I think the you know the next kind of wave of, of uh, features will be rolled out uh, in the coming months here. So let me ask you this, Steve. You know, there are a lot of blockchains out there now, right? I mean, since 2017, I don't even know how many different platforms that we, we've talked to a bunch. So why would... You know, somebody who is looking to build, you know, on a blockchain or build a blockchain project or build a financial service, why would they choose Algorand over like an EOS or Tron or Ethereum or one of these other ones? What really separates you guys, the cream of the crop, and what type of projects are you guys focused on on having built on your platform? Sure. Um, well, I guess one of the things I will say is that um, I think Algorand represents one of a very small number, um, perhaps, as, you know, at most a couple of others, that is completely new tech from the ground up. Um, we weren't derived from another platform or project. Uh, really, this was, you know, designed from first principles uh, and to solve kind of problems in, in existing systems. Um, the second is, you know, we believe really strongly in uh, decentralization, but also, you know, if you look at things like um, scalability, uh, you know, need to be able to scale up, um, but also needing finality, knowing that your payment went through, uh, and have it be very efficient. And so if you look at that, um, you know, I think Algorand really represents kind of a, a new next generation technology. And what we found is that, you know, there's a lot of, of applications out there where people have, you know, big user bases, they need scale, um, but they may also you know, have concerns around censorship. Uh, they want to make sure that, you know, the platform is is going to serve all of their users, regardless of where they are in the world. And I think that's something that we're we're very committed to, for sure. And so I, I think it's, it's, you know, that's sort of one just sort of like technical set. I think on the other side, you know, understanding how to engage um, with developers, uh, with people who are building applications uh, is something that we're also been very focused on as well. Um, and whether that means, you know, kind of getting in and helping people with their applications uh, and supporting them. Um, that's one thing. But the other is, you know, really looking at tools. I think one of the, the biggest things that we want people to understand is that, you know, while the tech behind Algorand is very complicated, the way you interact with it is very simple. And I think whether you're an end user and take a look at our mobile app, it's very clean and simple and fast. Uh, but also if you're a developer, um, all of our libraries, our APIs, our tools um, are designed to be very, very easy. And when we think that, um, you know, one of the ways to encourage new people to come build on blockchain is uh, by kind of bringing them tools that they know how to use, uh, that make it easy for them, and that we're largely, while they need to understand that the platform is is uh, based on great tech, uh, that they don't need to get too into the details of it themselves. And so, you know, I think this is sort of the difference between if you look at, you know, what, what Stripe bought the payments, it was, you know, really simplicity 
and making it easy for people to do that. And, and we want want to do the same in the blockchain world is make it really, really easy for people who may be new to the market to come in and be able to build decentralized apps without having to learn a lot about the Way tech. to represent, Steve. Travis, I kind of heard your question, like, what makes you guys so great? Like, <laughs> only it was more, it was more wordy, but... Uh, come on, prove well, it. Well, I mean, and, we're at a point where there's, there's there's so many of them. The folks who right. are listening are trying to differentiate and and are trying to place bets on where they think the best projects and best you know um, you know technology lies. And so I think Steve gave a great answer as to why they're they're doing well. I concur. And Steve, as we uh, wrap up here, tell us how people can get involved. Yeah, so a few different ways. Um, you know, one for anybody who's interested in learning more about the technology, um, you know, can go to algrand.com. Uh, we have a series of, of articles, videos. Um, for anyone who's just new to, to you know, um, the project or the space, there's some great videos from Silvio. I think one of his greatest gifts uh, outside of being an amazing scientist is being able to um, really simply explain very complicated tech in a way that's easy to understand. Uh, for sure, you know, from there, I would suggest people follow us on social media uh, and uh, and then also be sure to check out the Al Foundation, um, where there's more information on things like uh, tokens and the public network and, and how to get involved in that. Um, but, you know, really excited to have, uh, you know, have anybody join that's interested. There you go, gang. Check it out, algorand.com or algorand.foundation. Learn more about this project. Steve, thanks again, and best of luck with your project. Thanks so much, guys. Look forward to talking again soon. Mr. Joe Calm, I'm very offended. This is Jalapeno Jose. You didn't mention me at all. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Cultural appropriation. This really goes, Travis, with this um, – this review that just popped up on iTunes, I'm offended all the way from Australia. I've just listened to episode 209 and neither Travis or Joel did an Australian accent. They do French, British, Italian, and many more in other apps, but didn't take the chance when talking to an Aussie. Love your work, love the crypto info, and love the awful impressions written by wanting more options. Hmm. Well, now you've got a, uh, a Spanish you know, impression there because jalapeno Jose just stopped in. <laughs> That's true. Good stuff, man. This is a fun episode. You know, we talked about some really innovative technology with Algorand. We talked with a really funny and offensive cartoon, which is which very educational around a Bitcoin. And we uh, we talked about Nasgo and we introduced our new sponsor, eToro. Pretty full episode, Mr. Jolcom. Indeed it is. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Of course, make sure that you go drop a review on iTunes, Facebook, or wherever it is that you listen to the show. Give us five stars. Otherwise, find something else to do because we don't want you to waste your time giving us less than that. And until next time, when we will be back again, stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.